Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. The ball flying out of the yard last night for the Twins, Jim, uh, without Byron Buxton in the lineup, so they did give him at least a night off. Uh, let's talk about the game last night, uh, first of all. Uh, Bailey Ober is a resilient guy, isn't he? I mean, gosh, he gives up the first three guys' score, and then he settles down and gives them six innings. Yeah, he's been uh, right now. He's their best pitcher. Hmm. No, not maybe not long term. Maybe not the rest of the season. At the moment, he's their best pitcher, uh, hmm. and it's up to Ryan and Gray and Lopez to turn it on and be be as good as they can be because they just haven't been uh, lately. Um, and Maeda, you know, hey, Maeda is a really nice guy for have for fifth starter. We'll see how much he how much he can last, how many innings he can provide. Hmm. Um, but Ober is really good. This is not good for a fifth starter. He's not good for a fourth starter. He's a really good major league pitcher. Yeah. Uh, his fastball sneaks up on people. He has command. He has composure. He has pitch mix. He's pitchability. Uh, he's a really good player. And and he's a huge guy, isn't he? Like 6'8", 6'9", yep. something like that. And yet he short arms yeah. the ball, so it's, it seems like it's really hard for him to pick it up because he doesn't light up the radar gun. No, he, he has an interesting combination of long arm literally long arms and yet kind of a short arm delivery. So he's, he's releasing the ball fairly close to home plate compared to the average major league pitcher, which means his ball gets on people a little faster than they expect, but he also short arms it, which is a motion that kind of bothers some hitters. Yeah. They just don't seem to see it very well. Uh, they were talking about that last night, a little bit, uh, how it, it's one of those, what they call a kind of an invisible fastball. Cause he's what a 89, 90, but he's got good spin rate, and it just they just can't see it coming out of his hand. Yeah, I mean, velocity is important, but it's only important when combined with something else. Mm-hmm. We've just, we've seen it. You know, you want, Duran throws 105 down the middle. Somebody will hit it if it doesn't if it doesn't do anything. Uh, you have to combine your velocity with spin rate, carry, movement, deception, something. I I remember when Eddie Guardado was Twins clo- All Star close. And his fastball was maybe up to 91, mm-hmm. maybe, on a good day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he would strike people out with an 89-mile-hour fastball and a wrinkle, just a, a slider that had just a little bit of movement to it. And I, would go to, I went to other clubhouses and said, why aren't you guys hitting this guy? And they'd say, we don't see the ball until it's, like, right on us. Mm-hmm. He just, uh, Eddie just had a way of hiding his, his release uh, until last second. And also, the, so he was able to hide his release and he just pounded the strike zone. So hitters couldn't really wait around. They had to, they had to swing, and sometimes they were swinging at a pitch they really didn't want to swing at. A much-needed night off for, uh, you know, the Twins' bullpen, kind of. You know, they brought in guys that they pitch uh, when the game is kind of in hand. Uh, so that gives kind of their high-leverage closers, uh, Jackson and, and Duran, a, a night off. Uh, how about, uh, how do you say his name? Is it Balasovic? How do you say his name? Balasovic. Yeah. Uh, you know, they thought he was a starter. It didn't work out. He's had some injuries and ineffectiveness there. But since moving him to the bullpen, he looks like a pretty good guy who could become a, a high-leverage reliever. He's in a really interesting case, and I've heard about this from scouts over the years, is some guys perform better in the big leagues than they do at any other level. Mm-hmm. Now, why would that be the case? Well, some guys need the adrenaline. Some guys need the challenge. Some guys need hitters who can think along enough that they can fool them. Ah. You know, Burt Blylevin always said that. Burt Blylevin, whenever he had to go do like a minor league start on the, or a start on the minor league side uh, or a rehab start or something like that, he'd say, I can't fool these guys. They're not smart enough for me to fool them. <laughs> um, and then, you, you know, so uh, Balazovic, he has, well, he's another guy. He has good stuff, but not great stuff, but it plays. Why mm-hmm. does it play? 
carry, spin, uh, long arms, release point, and he's willing to throw strikes. Uh, so, you know, as of spring training, this organization was really sick of him. He, got, he went got in a bar fight. Uh, he hadn't performed. He seemed to have uh, kind of a mediocre attitude in the minor leagues. You bring up the big leagues, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, I'm here. I'm going to do what I I'm going to do what I need to do now." Hmm. It would have maybe helped his career advance a little faster if he had had that ad- uh, attitude right. in the minor leagues. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, but I mean that that's that's why this is all such a grand mystery. Yeah. The, the world of sports, and especially baseball. We're talking about human beings. It doesn't have to be logical. It doesn't have to make any sense at all. You just have to kind of figure something out. So now to Byron Buxton. Of course, we talked about him fairly extensively yesterday, but uh, it did happen last night. They did take him out of uh, the lineup, gave him a night off. Do you think it's a single night off? Is he back in the lineup tonight? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that they are facing another right-hander and they crushed a right-hander yesterday by loading the lineup with lefties. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'd do it again. Mm-hmm. I would I would rest him another night, give him another day, mental break, give him another day to work on mechanics, another day send him signal, hey, uh, you know, nothing's locked in here. We're going to do whatever we have to do to win. I, I think I would just I would let it ride with Walner and see what happens. Well, Walner didn't really contribute last night, yeah. but the fact that they packed the lineup with lefties definitely paid off. You know, uh, a few years back uh, when Buxton would slump, it would seem like he would take advice from a lot of different people and that kind of messed him up and he changed his stance some and and now he's been with this and from things that I've read he kind of is his own keeper now he's not really taking in information from all different guys because that can confuse you is that what you've heard is going on with Buxton he's trying to kind of get out of it on his own and that's a cycle almost Mm -hmm. all young players all young players who are talent go through that Mm -hmm. because First of all, everybody's very eager to help them and get them on the right path. Mm-hmm. Second of all, people would love to be able to take credit for it. Hey, I told him this, and it worked. Yeah. Um, so hitters, as they mature, and Tory Hunter went through the same thing. Everybody tried to fix him. He finally said, I don't listen to Bobby, but yeah, I'm going to send him my tapes. He's going to be my guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's up to the hitter to decide what he can use, what he can't use. And sometimes that's the tricky thing about the hitting position coach, uh, hitting coach position. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's why sometimes blaming them is not the right thing to do because sometimes they aren't even the person telling the hitter what to do. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're just the person throwing batting practice. Yeah. Uh, Nafisa Collier, uh, you had mentioned earlier this year that they kind of needed her to step up and be a star. They did get beat last night, but it wasn't on Collier. She was, you know, being aggressive offensively and grabbing rebounds. It looks to me like she's really trying to lead this team if she can into the playoffs this year. She was fantastic, and the rest of her team let her down. Uh, just the rest of the team was not very good. Um, and listen, they won nine out of twelve during one stretch. Mm-hmm. Now they've lost three in a row, and you wonder if the this, the true n- nature of this team is somewhere between that nice stretch and what we've seen in the last three games. I so I don't think they're as bad as starting zero six. I don't think they're as good as winning nine out of twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're an average team. I think they've kind of found their level. Can they find a way to be better than that down the stretch here? Well, Diamond Miller's got to have to play better. Kayla McBride's going to have to play better. Uh, you're seeing kind of the rookie struggles now from Miller and from, from Dorka. Uh, the bench has not been very good. And one interesting thing to watch, if you care about the WNBA, if you care about the links, is Ariel Powers was probably the, kind of the biggest free agent signing they've had. She has not played well for the Lynx. This year they've talked about her having an injury. She hasn't played. You know, I hear behind the scenes she's really not hurt or not hurt that badly. Mm. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if they play her or if she's, she's in 
either the proverbial doghouse or if they just want to keep her healthy so they can trade her to the trade deadline. I don't know. There's something weird going on with her. She would help this team if she was, you know, if there's any kind of a working relationship there. Interesting. Uh, and defensively, uh, Cheryl Reeve was talking about it uh, after the game where they were doubling but not recovering. So they were leaving a lot of wide open shots in the first half, but that they kind of fixed that at halftime. But then it'll go away again in the next game. It seems like they're, it's a young team. So the consistency, especially on defense, isn't always there. It's a young team in some regard, uh, but it's also they have enough veterans who should know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And the first half was abysmal defensively. They just didn't cover the three-point line, and Atlanta just lit them up. They did get better. They have been sporadically better in defense. Frankly, it's just not a good defensive team. Um, and I don't know how they're going to fix that. And, and, yes, a coach is always going to look for the coaching solution to that. Do this, do this, do this. They just might not be. I just don't think they're a very good defensive team, period. The Open gets underway, uh, well, for us tonight, I guess, at like midnight or 1 o'clock, something like that. And I'm hearing a lot of chatter about the par 317th. That's 135 yards. I heard one guy describe it who had been out there and, and played a practice round. I was listening to the Golf Channel uh, a little bit. And he said, you have to hit it 135, but there's going to be a 20-mile-an-hour wind, and the landing spot is the size of a truck tire. He said, so we're going to see a lot of big numbers from some of the top pros on that hole. Yeah, and, and Kepka was talking about that earlier this week. He said, he said people, these major courses who want to make you play a 250 or 300-yard par three, they're really just they're, – they're trying too hard. Yeah. The best par threes in the world are short and devious. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at number 12 at Augusta. Why It looks like the most benign hole in the world. 140 yards, not a small green. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. Well, wins – Winds are going to could blow from anywhere, and it takes a real expert to read the winds. And then it slants from short left to back right. Well, most people, most golfers, good golfers, either miss long left or short right. So you really the effective landing area for somebody who's you know who hits the ball well isn't nearly as big as it looks. And then you deal with the wind, and then you deal with a really bad shot could end up absolutely dead. Mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating hole. It's one of those uh, the seventeen that sawgrass, same thing. Yeah, should be an easy shot. It's not. Uh, there, you know, there's a hole like that at Jack's tournament that he modeled after the 12th at Augusta. Uh, the short par downhill par three. It's basically a sand wedge at Pebble Beach. There's mm-hmm. one at Spyglass. You know, take these great players and make them grind mentally over a tricky shot. It's much more interesting than having them hit a three wood into a big green. Yeah, Jim. Thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at five sports at Todd and Suhan. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.